Come with me as we dive into some of the most intimate diaries a person could share. My mission is to inspire you to push through during the toughest of times, too. Thank you for being here. This is Push Diaries Podcast, and I'm your host, Tess. Okay, everybody, happy weekend. I just want to apologize right off the bat and say I'm sorry I didn't get this episode out last night. Macy has been not feeling very well, and for those of you that don't know, Macy is my service dog. My fiancé, Tyler, and I were going to sleep two nights ago, and she was just acting a little bit punky. Like, she was laying in her bed and just looked really whipped and really exhausted, even though we were talking to her. And then we noticed she had a little bit of difficulty standing up from a laying or sitting position. It's almost as if she couldn't get her hips up the same level, you know, the same height she needed. So anyway, we, we brought her to the vet. She's being monitored. We got her some medicine. We did a few tests like Lyme's disease and heartworm and, and those came back negative. So that's good. Um, but I had to be with my dog yesterday. So this is a little bit late, but I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Stay tuned for part two of the 15 common cognitive distortions listed on the psychcentral.com website. That's P-S-Y-C-H-C-E-N-T-R-A-L dot com to see a list of everything that we talk about. Without further ado, episode 38. Is it all about me or is it all about you? The distorted ways we view the world. Here's Carmen. Hello. Good afternoon. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. How about you? I'm good. Thanks for getting me in today, Carmen. Yeah. I think it's great that these are common things we're talking about because... Right. I even just this morning, I rewatched the Heal documentary just because I wanted to, like, fully prepare. Yeah. Yeah, and I came across an image... But it's one that I know you and I sure like, and I'll text it to you. But basically, it's like nine things that help you change your physiology and biology about worry and chronic or acute. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I just sent it to you, and only two are things that you could physically do to get help for, like, you know, Mm -hmm. taking supplements or radically changing your diet. Like, those are two of the nine things that you have to like go seek help for or go physically do but then the other seven things were taking control of your health following your Uh intuition releasing Uh suppressed emotions increasing positive emotions embracing social support deepening your spiritual connection and have a strong reason for living which a lot of people like have faith or family is that right yeah. And it is. It's amazing how these all overlap. Yes. So, actually, uh, Joe Dispenza released a blog post today, which is what we're talking about and what we do. But he's talking about the five steps to help you step into your future. Yeah. So, he's got a little post, and it's got these images, like one, two, three, four, and five. And this is this is what we're talking about a lot, is that 
that going back to that idea that you and I were working on with you a while ago about, you know, not knowing how to be well. Yeah. Like, like learning how to be well, you know, rather than being stuck in our fear, like just like creating the habits that we create, how we live our life, right? Right. Emotional states. Right. It's so big. Yes. And so I thought that was a nice little thing I had saw him share today. And specifically, you know, what we're talking about is like, like that thing in that heel documentary, and we pull that image back up, increased positive emotions. So mental rehearsal, right, is, is a really important thing about increasing positive emotions. And, and Joe actually brings that up today in his post of like, rehearse in your mind who you're going to be when you open your eyes. Yeah. The things you have to do, the choices you have to make, and the steps that you have to take. As you mentally rehearse the rehearse the destiny, imagine it over and over again and beca- until it becomes familiar to you. Yeah. Right? So that's really it's, significant. Yes, it is. It's pretty stinking powerful if we could do this and sit with ourselves because I know we talk a lot about sobriety and we have you and I together in our like personal um, counseling sessions. But I think about that a lot when I am am faced with a stressor, right? It's like sometimes it's easier to, you know, have a gummy of marijuana or Have a drink when you're out with your friends. But those things don't sustain you for long term. Those things are temporary ways of relieving stress. But the minute you get home or the minute you get in bed that night, it all comes back to you, right? So it's such an easy concept, like when we talk about it and you say it out loud, but then it's so hard for people. And What do you think causes it to be hard? Because this is, yeah. what you're talking about is, it, like, goes right into what we're, so what do you yes. think it is about that that causes that to be difficult? Like, why do you think it's so difficult? Um, I think how we've been raised or how we react to our families, um, way that they break down what they're going through. Sometimes we own other people's stuff or... Uh-huh. We should on ourselves. And you're right. This is all tying right into the cognitive distortions. And it's important that we recognize those things. Like, I know, Carmen, that I hurt when I know, you know, my mom is upset or my sister is upset. Like, I'm upset, too. And it's not always the good kind of upset, right? Like, it's not me saying, hey, I hear you. I see you're upset. I want you to know I love you. And I'm sorry you're going through this. But Let's talk about it and really let it go. Yeah. And sometimes I guess the reason why it's hard is because sometimes it's easier to numb ourselves out or place blame on other people or other things. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, what is hard yes. for you or what have you noticed be hard? It, I mean, maybe it's the same thing, but did I cover that okay? For sure. I, I think we can even add a layer to it, but you're right. You're 100% right about that. Yes. That also, those emotional states, emotional states that we like live in that we kind of quote unquote become addicted to, right? Of like being in that familiar emotional place. 
Yeah. Even if it's depression. Right. Like, like, like even if it's whatever. And sometimes, you know, like you were saying, the gummy or whatever, shopping doesn't matter. Like, yeah. a lot of times those things create this, the place where we can just keep, you know, like having a gummy because we're whatever. Emotionally and psychologically. I'm not talking about physical pain here. It's yeah. It's different. Yeah. So, like, having that gummy to, quote, unquote, help with our psychological pain, not our physical pain, is the same thing as reinforcing the reality of that emotional state. Right. That we want to live in, right? It perpetuates wanna, the yeah. the unhealthiness. Well, it, per- just, it perpetuates the reality. Yeah. We don't have to even assign judgment on it if it's healthy or not. Sure. Like, it just... It, it just like is. You get to choose what reality, in a sense, you want to live in. Like, you can create, you know, I mean, you can create a... I mean, we all... Yeah. We all do, in a sense. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But you're right. And that's it's, where distortions kick in. Yeah. Too. Yeah. I feel like... And I know my situation is different and a lot of people might not understand it, but those of us that do have physical pain or, you know, Carmen, I know you have feared about your prognosis in the past, you know, before your organ transplant. And it's scary. Like, it's good to be aware of our health, right? And aware of what could be. But why is it so damaging to focus on prognosis? I mean, that's another kind of paranoia, substances aside, worrying so greatly about our future when all we have is now. None of us, you know, the thing we all can relate to is none of us know what's what we're going to no. be doing in one week right now in this very moment. Yep. You know, we can come up with ideas, but like, I don't know where I'm going to be in 10 years. I don't know where I'm going to be in five years. But if I can get myself to a place where I'm content, that's pretty powerful. And in turn, I'm creating a good environment for my mental capacity to be healthier. Yes. Which will in turn create a healthier system physically, right? Like, Well, and epigenetic-wise stuff, right? Like... Like, we were talking about attachment stuff the last time, and now, you know, Diane's starting to go down and, like, come out with some information about uh, attachment bonds and negative merged identities, um, some epigenetic stuff, which is just fun to delve into. Um, So, really, we're just... We're, we're becoming a lot more open about energy and how it we use it in our environment. I mean, because, you know, like, whether you're religious or you're not religious, we, we are made up of energy. Right. You know? And, like, in that, learning about things like epigenetics and psychological, like, genetically, how we carry generational trauma. Yeah. Like, if you think about, like, you know, what they know is, you know, what, like when a human develops at a certain point, they are in there, while they're in the womb of their mother, they are, they develop all the eggs that they'll ever produce. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. Right. 
So like while we're developing in our mother's womb, we've, we've, we've created, we've, we've made all of the eggs that will create life while in our mother's womb. Yeah. And like how our genes influence our health. Obviously we know this. Right. But emotions also. Yeah. Come into play. That's what they're starting to learn about like positive gene expression. It's pretty powerful. Like how to turn on the, the bright proteins, right? And and Joe does that through meditation, right? Yeah. So yeah, it's it all goes together. I love it. I think it's amazing and it's incredible that if anything, it shouldn't make us sad, right? With where we've been, but it should empower us to know that we have more control over our bodies, our minds, our wellness. More than we could ever imagine. More than a substance could. More than you understand. Yeah. More than a yeah. substance could take care of, more than a prescription could take care of. Because truly, you know, even with my Cymbalta, you know, it helps me sleep. It's supposed to help with my depression a little bit. Um, you know, it's just supposed to help me get get a little bump in the right it's direction. Pain. Yeah, right. with pain. But like the neurotransmitters in your brain. Yeah. yeah, but then you think about all the people who get on a prescription and think that that's all they have to do. That's the only thing they have to do. That's the only life change they have to make is popping a pill. That's what they believe, yeah. And I love, too, that in the Heal documentary they talk about, like, okay, back in the day, like Descartes and a couple other very wise men who are studying the human body and physiology and things like that, um, they looked at our bodies as very mechanistic and science is proving to show and just like holistic wellness is proving that that's not the case. You don't just take a pill to treat a symptom. We need to go after the root cause, which is exactly what you're talking about. If I've been exposed to depression, anxiety, anger, reactionary living with cognitive distortions and you know, people can say, oh, this sounds so dumb, like, you know, whatever. No, it's true. I mean, we self-sabotage ourselves all the time. Yeah. So, anyway, <laughs> I mean, that was a great intro, but it's just funny that we're already now 20 minutes in. Right. We'll do it. We can do it. I think we should just do it, because it's sort of therapeutic for me anyway. This yeah. conversation that you and I have had... Um, on the podcast with the listeners have has been really good for me. Like I said, it's uncomfortable for me. Like I want people to know that I'm definitely not in a place of preaching, and I know you're not either, Carmen. Right. These are things that we have to work through. Yeah, cognitive distortion. You can find the one article underneath the first article. I just I like this the way they compiled this list. So one, two, and three filtering is the first common cognitive disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, it right. says a person engaging in filter or mental filtering takes the negative details and magnifies those details while filtering out all positive aspects of a situation. And I think we all do that, right? Like, Yes, yes. Somebody will be, you know, even like uh, even in a relationship that someone says, you know, yes, um, they're expressing a positive need. 
and they're saying, you know, there's something they'd like you to step up doing, you know, but they filter you know, it. Whole conversation, but then they're like, you know, if it just really, if this, this thing you could really help me out with, right? Like this one thing, if you could, I don't know, do the dishes three times a week for me or something, yeah. right? And they're like, so, so me dusting every day or whatever isn't enough for you now? Yeah. You know, that's. That's what filtering sort of sounds like. Right. Like yeah, that makes right. sense. It's like you you take um, maybe constructive criticism and you turn it into all negative reinforcements in your mind, which isn't necessarily what the person was me- meaning to do. Right. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty good. So then the second one is polarized thinking, black yes. and white thinking. Things are either black or white, all or nothing. We have to be perfect or we're a complete and abject failure. So there's no middle ground. This sort of goes into filtering too, I guess, if you think about like the spectrum of how intense you might be reading someone, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like the cycle of perfectionism. This is where that kicks in, right? Like depression. Cycle of perfectionism and depression can really kick in here in this spot, but I mean we're in a we're in an all or nothing world right now. You know? Yeah, a lot of us, you know, half of us politically are living in one side of it. The right, other half of us politically are living in the other side of it. That's yeah, po- politics. Thinking. Yeah, politics. That's a perfect example. I don't think we need to add anything more to that because you're right. It's like. You know? When you aren't open to a middle ground, you're not allowing yourself for any other possibility. It's either you're perfect or you're a failure. And we're all human, so this is just like a ridiculous distortion. But And there's, I mean, there's so many other ways that we do it. You know, I'm just, I'm not, that was just, that's a good example. Yeah, no, it is. Whenever we're asking ourselves, here's like my, like for myself, like how I can tell. Because when I ask people, like if. Like, if I'm working with someone, I've been sending this list to everybody because we're all living in it from time to time right now. But when we get, like, if I'm feeling either or in my mind, if I'm feeling or a place where I'm at it, either this or that, if I'm sort of living in that, then I have to ask myself, am I living in polarized thinking? Am I living in black or white thinking? Because... The third option is always what I'm looking for. I want to transcend duality. Right? Yeah. I want to get beyond this either or baloney. Yeah. You know, I want to, I want to figure out, you know, the middle road, the third option, whatever I want to call it. But that's really the important aspect is to remember, like, here's my warning sign that I'm in a cognitive distortion. If I'm thinking that it's either you do this or you get out. Know or you do whatever, like in anything. Yeah, that's just really important to know because we we all get caught up in it a lot. Yeah, yeah, and it's funny too. Like I remember I was even talking with my sister about this a while ago, maybe even a year ago now. But she was like, "Really, you you struggle with perfectionism?" And it's like, "Yeah, I do. I I didn't yeah. I didn't realize that I did. Like if someone would have asked me before cancer, like, are you a perfectionist?" I would have been like, hell no. Like, I never expect me to be perfect. But no, I do. I definitely do do that. And now looking back, I can see that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it is. It's hard to know. And it's hard to decipher all of these. So I love that this breaks it up into different 
um, distortions, right? Or areas so that we can acknowledge them and then have a different mindset. Yeah. Um, the next one is overgeneralization. Do you want to take this one and run with it? Oh, I, I mean, sure. So, um, this one is kind of like, well, right now in our society, like politically, like two and three are big. So, overgeneralization is this kind of idea of, so, like, from my own personal life, like, yeah. so when I travel, because I was traveling regularly, you know, uh, weekly and every other weekly for the last couple of years for work, and when I travel, I would encounter men with large trucks, right? And they would have, they would take issue, maybe, with if I wanted to pass them or, you know, try and control the outcome of how I'm driving on the road or, you know, things like that. So that my overgeneralization would kick in and I would just worry about everybody who had a truck trying to quote unquote mess with me, let's say. Yeah. Like that's a, I'm now jumping to everybody who owns a truck is now an asshole on the road. (laughs) Yeah. Not the case. Yeah. Right. That's that's what overgeneralizing is. Okay. So it's an unpleasant event of some kind that like you think is going to repeat itself or, or, or not even, not even think, but you, you just without thinking it, you're assuming, right? Right. Yeah. I'm making the assumption that all people who own trucks are assholes. Mm-hmm. Or everybody who drives a Prius is a tree hugger. Right. Right. Like yeah, they're a hippie. We all ate the ear. Yeah. Right? I, you know, like that's, you know, it, a person comes to a conclusion about, you know, how they experience a single incident. And then they project it on the rest of future incidents that they'll have, right? Like mine is driving on the interstate and encountering men who drive trucks, right? Yeah. And then I and then I project that onto like so every time now that I ever do that, it's just I'm gonna expect it to happen over again. Or or even like you could even do like, you know, if if somebody hit a patch of ice in a wintry road in this one area and it, and it got a little hairy for a second. Now, every time, you know, driving on the highway between La Crescent and Winona, it's not fun, right? Yeah. Remember that little highway there? Oh, not yeah. Fun. Yeah, not yeah. fun. So people, you know, often would worry if they, you know, worry about that spot on the highway when they're driving. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just using that as, like, inanimate object as a sense of, like, how we can overgeneralize in everything. Right, like it doesn't have to be just people. It's it's we're all living in a, like a complicated belief system, but we're trying to minimize, like yeah, even well, COVID stuff. Yeah, and I even think too about generational things again. It's like if you feel like you never do something right because your parents never made you feel like you did something right, you're constantly overgeneralizing and saying you are not a person who can handle anything therefore you should just uh, not be a person be like well it would actually be more like well, that's more attachment related stuff but like you're what you're saying though it'd be more like um you know i'm never good at job interviews because my parents told me you know whatever i just i bombed a job and they blamed it on me because i interviewed horribly yeah so and i can then, never yeah, interview think, yeah right I can never interview well. Yeah. 
Right. I'm not ever going to get, I'm never going to get a job because I can't do interviews. Like that would be an overgeneralization. Okay. Very good. Then jumping to conclusions, this one says without individuals saying so, a person who jumps to conclusions knows what another person is feeling and thinking and exactly why they act the way they do. In particular, a person is able to determine how others are feeling toward the person as though they could read their mind. Mm, I want to read, can I say that? I want to say that again. Yes. When individual, a person who jumps to conclusions knows what Another person is thinking and feeling and exactly why they act the way they do. <laughs> yeah, that's it's right. Like it's the perpetual round right? and round. Yes, it's the dysfunctions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I literally, yeah, I, you know, I, again, I love my family. I, this podcast is not meant to talk shit about my family or make anybody feel bad, but I definitely know that, like, you know, like my brother-in-law, he's amazing. He's quiet and calm and gathered. And so is my dad. And honestly, my brother can be too if he's not triggered by something. But like, and my mom and my sister and I all can be really chill too when we want to be. But I think the three of us, my sister, my mom, and I definitely can jump to conclusions and run with an idea before we really know where each of us is coming from. Um, which then it's like, you know, my mom isn't going to want to express something to me if she knows it's going to trigger me, or my sister isn't going to want to express something to my mom if she knows it's going to trigger my mom. So you're right. It's like, we also have to be careful to not let our bad habits get the best of ourselves when we're talking to other people that are also dealing with exactly what I just said. Right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, that one's huge. So number four is the first one I wrote down for myself. Um, And, you know, I think, again, honestly, you and I and anyone listening could probably go through this list and give an example in their life that they've done these distortions or thought of these distortions, you know, in an example. Because even Tyler, it's like I, I know in our relationship sometimes I worry that I'm not doing a good enough job or, you know, yeah, I jump to a conclusion and he's like, no, no, that's not what I mean. Like, you're good. Right. You're doing a great job, you know, so. It's uh, practicing being curious is where that kicks in, right? I mean, we've talked about that before. It's like the middle ground again. It all comes back. Mm -hmm. You're saying, why does it have to be black or white or good or bad? Why can't we find the middle ground? Right, we can. Yeah, yeah. And that, and adopting a, a mindset of curiosity is where that kicks in. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Yes. Being able to ask more questions for clarity versus letting yourself get upset, sort of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Number five is catastrophic. Oh my gosh, I can't say this word. Catastrophizing. Thank you. Catastrophizing. Yes. Thizing. Mm-hmm. The pH is weird. Uh, we're currently in a society that's doing a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah, we are with the pandemic, you mean? Well, yeah. Isolation. Also, well, um, so catastrophizing it, you know, it talks about a person, when they engage in it, they expect disaster to strike no matter what. This is also referred to as magnifying and con- 
and can also come out of its opposite behavior, minimizing, right? Mm-hmm. So this is where minimizing, like minimizing, uh, minimizing COVID, catastrophizing COVID, right? Not actually like listening to data and following science. Right. Again, right? being just, curious, wear your mask. Up, right. Yeah. We get caught up in fear yeah. instead and we either throw all caution in the wind and say, yeah, you know, I've heard all the, you know, we've all heard it. I'm not going to be sheep, blah, blah, blah. But that's actually fear. Like fear is when I throw out all re- rational, reasonable thought and just like not care. Yeah. That's fear. Yeah. Right? Fear also looks like being paranoid of getting sick, right? Rather than like doing what you can. Yeah. Right? And working within that. And so is this avoidant important. as well? Is this avoidant? Uh... It's minimizing. That's the minimizing. Okay. Like magnifying is like, like the magnifying of it. Like, like everybody who gets COVID will die or everybody who gets COVID will fi- be fine. Like that's where the minimizing and the magnifying kick in. Right. What if, you know, it's almost like, where we sit there and live out the scenarios of sometimes the worst thing happening, like where we live in that fear of like always wondering, I don't know when the deer's going to cross the road and we're going to hit it. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just trying to think of like the road thing is a good theme that makes a lot of sense for a lot of these, but yeah, I like the road thing. That's good. Like, yeah, you still have to drive to work or drive to the right. grocery store or drive to see a friend. Like, right. you can't worry about hitting a deer every time you go out. Yeah. No. So, Same with COVID. Yes. Right? Yes. Keeping and, your distance, washing your hands. Yeah. There are things we can do. things that I had to do. I mean, pandemic hits and I'm a transplant patient. I've already been doing the things that society's learned how to do. Like, I've already been doing them. So things I have to be mindful of is winter illnesses and when people start getting sick, I start keeping my distance with more people or, you know, there's, there's different things I've already done. Yeah. New for me. Right. I mean, the new part is being home. Right. You have to be extra careful with your, um, No, I just really have to follow the rules. Right. It's not even about being extra careful. If, If our society could all participate. Right. Then, you know, we're kind of doing it backwards. We're supposed to quarantine sick people, not at risk people. Right. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah, it's yeah, it's hard. That's a hard one because, like, even yeah. I remember in the beginning, I was fearful, too. Like, oh, I just need to keep myself isolated because I'm high risk. Well, but, I mean, aren't we all high risk? Because we don't know how this affects us individually. We know we see what it does, right? But yeah. we don't know what well, it's going to it, do it, it can affect it, it's high risk for certain groups of people right but like and yes there is risk involved for everybody but smaller groups smaller sections within age groups or whatever are going to have serious adverse you know ultimately death right but i'm not a scientist so yeah i'm, I'm not either what they say i'm not right? either but i hear you and yeah i did jot down just three little notes on this one. And I just put my cancer, my health, my paralysis and my prognosis. So I guess I wrote four things, but I can't catastrophize about all of those things because 
I'd go insane. I would go mad, Carmen. Well, you would, and you have. I have, right? I know that's why I'm doing a podcast. But no, I what I'm what I'm saying though is like this: <sighs> where like the what learning how to own what we need to own. Yeah, learning how to own only our parts, right? Like right. catastrophizing can get us owning everything in the world. Yeah, or owning nothing. You know. Yeah. Yeah, it's not it's not fun to try to own a prognosis that you have no idea what will come of. You know, like I said, none of yeah. us will know. So these distortions are pretty helpful to go through. Um, number six is personalization. Ooh. I think I wrote that Fun one stuff. down. Yeah. Four agreements. Yep, codependency is what I wrote. Codependency <laughs> on one another because I did this or they did this. It is all their fault. Or all my fault. Again, assumptions. That's what I wrote for this one. Mm-hmm. Do you want to add a layer? A cause of some unhealthy external event they are not responsible for, right? We're late to the dinner party and caused everyone to have a terrible time because we were late. Yeah. It's the guilt. It's the yeah. guilt and the shame that you let mm-hmm. overtake you type of thing. Well, what's the difference between guilt and shame? What the heck? Do you know? Yeah, shame is when you're, well, do I know? <laughs> guilt is, well, I guess actually, no, I, I guess you, on the spot you did. Know. Well, but I was yeah. actually going to say that shame is more shaming someone else, whereas guilt is more guilting yourself. But I bet you you have a better way of explaining that. I do. I know I put you on the spot and I apologize. No, no, I'm glad you, you do. Know well, and I want you to put me on the spot. I'm not phased. I just... Sometimes like the way that you say things, and shame I also is, feel like I'm. That I feel like there's something morally wrong with me, or there's some significant, some like a shame tape is like, you know, I'm a piece of shit for blah blah blah, and I am never gonna blah blah blah, and I can't ever get blah 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 because I'm blah blah blah, right? I know I said that fast, but it's like excuses, like you make excuses for yourself, like like I'm in a wheelchair and I'm paralyzed, so I and I have chronic pain, so I can never have a job and I can never make money and I can never make someone else happy. Well, that would be a, that would be a cognitive distortion, yes, yeah, but that includes shame because so guilt, right? Guilt is. Guilt is, I made a mistake and I, I have to feel, I mean, I, I should feel bad for something I did wrong, like an actual mistake. Yeah, like the dinner right. party being late example. Like your your behavior, right? I made my behavior, I did something, right? My behavior caused something, right? Yes, I, I could feel guilty for being late to a dinner party, but that doesn't mean that I wrecked everybody's mood, right? Yeah. Shame then says, like you were saying, that I'm a shitty person because I can never be on time. Yeah. Yeah. That's the difference between guilt and shame. Guilt is behaviors that we do and we make mistakes because we're human. Shame says I'm a shitty person because I made a mistake. Okay. I'm going to literally type that out, what you just said, like the difference between those two, because that's helpful, and I feel like I would forget that again. So even though you put me on the spot, I still feel like you explained that way better than I could have. So (laughs) I am glad you mentioned it. So 
Yeah, and again, this just says in the very last paragraph of that, of number six, it says a person engaging in personalization may also see themselves as the cause for some unhealthy external event that they were not responsible for. Right, that's what I was saying earlier. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's where the dinner party example kicked in. Oh, I see, I see. Yes, you're right. Yeah. So the shame would then come after you're saying. You would feel guilty about something, and then the shame would be like a, a second effect type of thing, right? Nope. It can be, you can have both, you can have either, or you can have none, you can have all. Okay. It's, it's all a distortion. It's, um, huh. Yeah. It's, well, you know, I should have some sense of, you know, if being late was out of my control, I got to get past it, right? Like, I can't right. be upset with myself because I was late because of something that happened that was beyond my external control because life happens, right? Sure, like your tire popped or something. Right, but let's say I'm late because I wasn't paying attention to time, and I got behind. Yeah. I can feel guilty about that. Like, I can feel like, oh, like that, I don't like that feeling. Like, I get, I, then I get to decide what I want to do with that, right? I get to decide if I'm like, okay, like, I'm going to work towards, like, not being that way, or not doing that as often as possible, or I can have this feeling of guilt, and I can say, well, I know that's the best I did with what I had at that time. Right. And I'm going to shoot for better next time. But if I don't, I'm not going to say I'm a shitty person because of it. I just made a mistake. Right. Right. Set an alarm next time or whatever. Um, Shane says, I am not a good person because I'm late. Right. Or I am a horrible, like it's a, it's a, it's a moral flaw, like a character defect, like uh shame always personalizes. Yeah. The, the, the issue at hand, whereas guilt is more about holding yourself accountable and then moving on. Right. Yes. Okay, that's very good. So let me just look. Did I already say? I did. I already read what I said for that one. Okay, then yeah. number, which one are we on now? Crap, I keep clicking on the methods. Seven. Seven. Thank you. Control fallacies. This says this distortion involves two different but related beliefs about being in complete control of every situation in a person's life. In the first, if we feel externally controlled, we see ourselves as helpless, a victim of fate. For example, I can't help it if the quality of the work is poor. My boss demanded I work overtime on it. I don't have any examples for this one. Um, Interesting. I know. See, now you could you could say an example in my life if you felt comfortable. If you sure. if you like no if you think of something with this one, I encourage you to share it. I find it interesting that you decided to skip the last part of it. Can you finish reading it? Yes. The fallacy of internal control has us assuming responsibility for the pain and happiness of everyone around us. Ah, crap, you're right. This is so me. <laughs> for example, why aren't you happy? It is because of some, is it because of something I did? Yeah, man, I shame myself a lot. And am I trying to maintain control? maintain being in control by shaming myself like i don't know yes yeah it's like i want so badly for people not to hurt but it's like why am i owning everybody why am i owning other people's 
stuff there. And what we learned, and what you what you learned, what you worked on, like I don't want to say because that's not where you're at, you know, like yes, we go back and forth because we're human. The thing is, you've experienced the other side of this too, such as trying to be responsible for other people's pain or other people's life only causes them further harm, right? If I try to prevent you from experiencing your life, trying to eliminate you having some pain as a result, I'm only further harming you. I'm robbing you of the benefit that that lesson might have to offer. Yeah. Good, bad, and indifferent. Like, any people that, any person that I work with, I can't take their pain. No. I can be with you while you're in pain. I can sit with you. I can have empathy with you. I can feel your pain. When I'm done, then I need to be done. Yep. I can't carry your life with me when I'm done with you for the day. When we've had our time, I can't carry all the things that Tess is carrying in her life with me, too. No, you would, yeah, you would be so bogged down. And And what about you, then? For me, I get to do it, but I shouldn't. If my mom is listening to this, I want her to know I love her, first and foremost. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, with with her depression and her um, sadness and guilt and shame that she has for herself, even in the cognitive distortions, like you said, we're all human. We all have different examples of do. these. But yeah, I have to make yeah. sure that when she is so sad, I am not carrying that with right. me, too, and claiming it as my own. Because that's not all, my job. Of most of us know know what it's like to experience like empathy, like like putting ourselves in another person's shoes and not wanting them how you know, much pain we've had because of something, and so we don't want a person to have that much pain. I so, guess I guess my cancer is a good example for these distortions yeah, too. Like for sure. Like, did I create my cancer? No. Nope. So why am I blaming myself? for my mom's increase in depression. Right. Well, I guess it's because it feels like it all happened after my disability and my cancer, but I guess it was there all along. But it's right. hard but it's hard to like really believe that, you know? But even if it like let's just say hypothetically it wasn't there all along, why in your mind, how do I want to say this? Like why is cancer so my what problem? Saying, <laughs> what you're saying to me is that so your mom got depressed because you had cancer, and that could that could be true. But yeah, why is let's that just your fault? yeah, let's just pretend that's the truth for right now. Right. That why would that be your fault though? I mean, it wouldn't if be when it came down to it. Right. Yeah, like this is where that victim mentality kicks in, right? Yeah, if I had a daughter, or if my sister was the one that got the tumor, mm-hmm. I wouldn't hate her for having cancer or like hate my daughter for being depressed like I know I wouldn't and I know my mom doesn't but it's still you take it on this is that when the victim mentality kicks in of like poor me poor this is where the recovery stuff kicks in right there's a saying that poor me poor me pour me another drink if I just keep stuck in poor me woe is me you know, I'm in self-pity, I feel bad, I didn't, you know, how can I, whatever, nothing's ever my fault, look at what, I mean, we've all experienced those people in our life. When we, when we see them, you almost feel it's different energy, don't you? Yeah. It's almost like a different, like, 
oh, if you could just stop feeling that way about yourself for five seconds, maybe you could see the light, right? Like, yeah, right? yeah. And there right. are moments when I do. I mean, yeah. And that's the beautiful thing. It's like those are the things that I need to do more of, and I, those are the thoughts that I need to foster more of. Right. The fallacy of fairness, which is this next one. Because life isn't fair, and it do- it does it it ties into that. Like we're in control of how we are now, but we don't have control over life being fair. Like life isn't fair, right? And this is the one I live in a lot. Is that I want to try and make everything as fair as possible, and if it's not, it I get pissed. The fallacy so, of fairness. Yeah, that's where that you know I can also get that in that victim mentality. That's where my victim mentality could kick in. Right, if I wanted it to, if I wanted to let it. But the thing about the self pity stuff that I want to say is like, some days just like not controllable. Like, no matter what you try, you just can't seem to pull yourself out of it. And so, like, in most days, like, it's important to be really kind to yourself. Yeah. You know? And like, others, right? Like, the day right? Tyler, like, the, di- the day Tyler came home from work and was really stressed and just kind of felt like an all-around idiot for X, Y, or Z reasons. Like, I need to be extra kind to him those days. And when I have a victim mentality, too, I need to be kind to myself those days. Right, because you know what it's like to just be in a place, sort of be an asshole about things, mm-hmm. and then have somebody take it personal when you know that it really has nothing to do with them. You know, I mean, women have, I mean, we all have hormones, but like women specifically, like, we are influenced a lot by our hormonal fluctuations, you know? And then sometimes, like I, you know, every female I work with, I say, well, we need to learn how this affects you to see where things are at for you. Because mm-hmm. for me, I get, you know, I go a little dark. And so when I, I, when I recognize it, I'm like, oh, okay. Now I don't have to beat my, like, I don't have to get into that trap, fear trap, or the comparison trap, or, you know, comparison traps are really not good. They, they kill people, you know, like, yeah. I remember a couple of years ago, there was this thing going around about people being upset that Narcan was free and insulin cost $750 a bottle. Comparison traps that kill people. Narcan should be free. It should. Also, why does my insulin cost 750 It isn't because Narcan's free. Right. right. Or or one of us deserves well, it more than the other. The fact is exactly. we all need help when we're down. And that balance of fairness. Yeah. Isn't always fair. Yes, Narcan's free. And yes, your insulin costs $750 a bottle. But the question isn't yeah. Why does Narcan free when insulin costs are in Coachella's bottle? The question is, why does insulin cost $750? Right. It right. has nothing to do with the Narcan. It's like, right. yeah, and I think about that, too, with my disability, like, cutting myself grace and slack because my disability isn't fair. You know, there will always be things right. that are a pain in the butt about it. We but, have to learn. Yeah. You know, limitations aren't, like, learning what our limitations are is very powerful. Like, I no longer have to hold myself to a standard of which I can't reach. Right. It's very freeing. It is. It's very freeing. Like, there's two ways that we can, you know, and this kind of goes into the rest of them, so it'll be a good, like, uh, jumping off point. Good. But this idea that there's two ways to look at things, right? There's more than that. Like, transcending duality is important. But start 
instead of living in polarity, we can try to get to duality. And so what I mean by that is nobody gives a shit about me. I can see it that way. I can worry about it that way. I can be scared that nobody gives a shit about me. Mm -hmm. Or I can see the duality in it and like, nobody gives a shit about me. Like, how freeing is it? Yeah. I don't have to wear the weight of other people's expectations. Like, why do you, yeah, why do you slap that on yourself? Why do I slap that on myself so easy when nobody gives a hoot? We all have our own things we're worrying about. And again, I guess. We all are living our own lives. Yeah. So it's freeing to me, like, instead of it being, oh my gosh, nobody cares about me. It's like, wow, like, I don't have the weight of anybody else's expectation. Nobody's living for me or about me. Thank you. Talk to you later. All right. Bye, hon. Bye. Okay. Thanks, guys. Part two is coming soon. If you have been enjoying this show, please consider supporting it at www.patreon.com forward slash push diaries podcast. In order for me to keep bringing these inspiring stories, I need some help. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend and God bless you. Stay safe and be kind. This has been Push Diaries Podcast. Please visit our website at pushdiariespodcast.com to see our mission and learn more about the guests. This is your podcast too. I want to hear your stories. Email me at pushdiariespodcast at gmail.com and consider supporting the show by going to patreon.com forward slash pushdiariespodcast. Thank you for listening.